Hi, I'm Katie Lehman. I'm Sean Sullivan. And I'm Lynn Griffin. And you're listening to Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidorek. Thanks for joining us. You know what? There's, there's one thing that I enjoy more than almost any other form of humor, and that is a good pun. I and appreciate so, that you appreciate puns. And you're so, in the right place. <laughs> yes. So before we jump through the looking glass, if you will, oh. let's talk a bit about No Porpoise Productions. Several university classmates of mine, we've been very good friends ever since we graduated about five years ago, and we've been talking for years about doing this script of Alice that I came up with a few years ago when I was teaching teen theater. And so I had a really great group of kids, and they were super excited. But every rehearsal, I'd sit there and be like, oh, I just want to play this part. Or, oh, I just want to do this with my, my university friends because we'd you know, just be able to, to push the insanity that much further. So for years and years, this was going to happen, was going to happen. And then we just never decided to do it because producing seems like a lot of work, which, truth be told, it is a lot of work. And we just had never really decided that now was the time. And then in the summer, Lindsay, Mark, and I, who make up, three of the five in the, the collective, officially. We were all in the Fringe Festival together doing Stalled, and we kind of watched it and from the outside slash inside of being the actors but not needing to produce, and we're kind of like, oh, this is how it's... Oh, we could do this. We could totally do this. And for some reason all summer, I was like, something big's going to happen in September. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but something big's going to happen. And then I did a few auditions, and they seemed like they were going to be fantastic, and then they led to nothing, and I was like, <laughs> oh. It wasn't there. So, yeah, then the, the time was like, okay, we're doing Alice. And then part of the, the procrastination of actually getting around to doing it was that I knew I wanted to work with Lynn and Sean as directors. So I was really nervous because I didn't want to give you guys a script and be like, sign up for this project. We can't afford to necessarily pay you anything, which, you know, is always How could the we way. say no to that? I know. It was such a good sell. <laughs> so we got them on board. So we were doing Alice and we were very excited about it. And then it was just going to be a small little workshop. But then once we started looking at the script and being like, oh, oh, this is how much time and effort is going to be involved, then it kind of blossomed into, okay, we're going to do it in February and we're going to do lots of shows. And then we wanted to talk to corporate sponsors and we wanted to, to partner with some people like Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And so once you start deciding all that, then you actually have to have a full out company and you have to you know, be official and have your website and your name and your logo. Um, and do the play. And do the play. So this yeah. all kind of within, within a, probably a two-week span two and a half weeks in September between my birthday on September 25th and our first producers meeting on September sorry I said September 15th is my birthday September 25th was the first I was meeting remember say that birthday because we have a birthday two days apart so I was going to correct true. you but I let it go no I can't remember my own birthday okay so clearly I'm seeing so, the effects of producing yes yes yeah. uh, she's fine mamas don't let your children grow up to be producers it's exactly. the producing acting playwright it's it's a very powerfully mind-boggling combination. We decided that we were going to do this show and um, that we were going to start a production company, so then we were tossing around names. So the play was already called Alice in Wonderland or A Tale with No Porpoise. And that is because in Alice in Wonderland, there's one passage where Alice is talking to the mock turtle and he's telling the story about these fish that go on a journey and they have to have a porpoise with them, but he keeps stepping on their fins and they're really angry about it. And Alice says, well, why wouldn't you just tell the porpoise to go away? And the mock turtle says, I would never trust a fish who went on a journey with no porpoise. And then she's like, don't you mean purpose? And he says, I know what I meant in offended tones. And so this passage is actually, it's the only reference to porpoises in all of Alice in Wonderland. But it kind of really works for us as a group because we're we're not taking ourselves 
too seriously in terms of what we're producing. We're just saying like we want to do fun theater and we actually want the audience to feel entertained by it instead of alienated or, um, you know, so much of Canadian theater right now is about trying to be daring and risk taking in like a very dramatic sort of way. And so silliness is not necessarily as highly regarded in theater anymore. As it should be. As it should be, it yeah. It should be more highly regarded. It should, because they're like, this is definitely the most challenging thing I've done since graduating, or probably even when going to university, because it's so physical and it is comedy, and comedy is very hard. Um, Katie called us, and we had been struggling and saying, well, you know, I wonder if that pantomime is ever going to happen. And then life got in the way, and we kind of lost touch with one another. But then, thankfully, because we have a birthday two days apart, it was um, a really good it was segue. A, it, it was. Like, it was a chance to say, happy birthday. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, by the way, would you like to direct this production of Alice in Wonderland? And we went, why have you been holding out on us all this time? We were waiting for the panto. Sure, we'll take Alice in Wonderland. That's uh, an even better story than every princess tale that we were coming up with. It's hey, great. The fractured fairy tales are still working. Fractured fairy tales will happen. They That'll will. be maybe 2015. I'm, I'm just curious about the dynamic of a production with two directors. Oh, well. Tell me about the, well, the team here. Well, first of all, you probably should know that we're married. And We're the full disclosure here. This is full but, disclosure. But it hasn't stopped us from having fun yet. And that hasn't stopped us from wanting to work together. Odd. Odd. Very odd. 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 We actually are a pretty good tag team, I think. Because um, initially we sort of thought, oh, well, Sean is really, really good movement-based actor, mime, all the kind of physical training and all the kind of contact stuff that we've been doing that we went, well, you'll take on that part and I'll take up whatever's left, <laughs> whatever that was. The words. Oh, yes, the words. Yes, don't be um, modest. <laughs> words are important. Words, yes, especially, Kate, Ka especially Katie's words. And, here, here. and um, they are very punny. You will be very happy how punny they are and definitely speaks to both of our sense of humor. And and we really do live our married life is, is a bit like the Mad Hatter's Tea Party anyway, so it wasn't a big departure for us to go there. The amazing thing is, is uh, Alice in Wonderland is just one of those inspiring stories that people have, there have been so many different kinds of Alice in Wonderlands, um, from the Disney movie to various children's versions to the one that was done in New York in the early 70s with the Manhattan Project, which was in, similar in a way. It had a slightly darker tone, but was also very few actors. The actors creating most of the set with their own bodies, very virtuosic performance style. And... The stories, Lewis Carroll's stories, just open up your brain. They just open up your imagination to any kind of possibilities because he opened them up to any kind of possibilities himself. He coined actual words in Alice in Wonderland that are in the dictionary now. So it's just one of the most fruitful kind of pieces to build from, as Katie proved. The first time Lynn and I read the play uh, independently of each other, the first time we read it, and both of us laughed out loud by ourselves reading the script the first time at which point it was like well we got to do this because there i mean there are some very funny and that, things that we've been involved just, in but they that didn't was make just us just getting laugh. through the first page too we were laughing and what's amazing is that this this cast that are all these university of windsor 
graduates, they all have similar training, needless to say, because they all went to the same school. But the physical training they did was of a level that I found unusual for a North American program, very much more like a European program where physical training is as important as anything mental or anything textural. But we came in feeling like, okay, I'm going to be trying to put them through some paces, try to get them to do some physical stuff. And as soon as I started throwing things in, they would go, okay, we'll do that, and we'll add this to it as well. And it's like if I asked them to jump through a hoop, they would say, well, why not five hoops, one on top of the other? So the, the virtuosity of this cast is amazing. Plus the fact is they all know each other so well that there's a shorthand they have that they'll create things on the fly that Lynn and I look at each other and go, well, we're going to look good. <laughs> I had We had nothing to do with this. It's brilliant, and our name's on it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But you don't even have to show up to some rehearsals. Yeah, no, it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, the, the other side of that is that, obviously, that's one of the reasons I picked you guys. And also, being a collective, you guys are really great that you let us stop rehearsal and be like, we just had an idea. Or one, like every, every single actor has put their own stamp on specific mm-hmm. spots. Whereas if you do other shows and you aren't the creative controller, sometimes you just have to like do as much as you can quietly with your project, but you can't step on the toes of other actors being like, I think you should do this. Or director, I think that this is actually going to work better. So by keeping it as like the collective mentality, everyone's, everyone is taking on multiple roles. So it's, it is a very interesting rehearsal process because it's not just they come in and they say okay this is how the scene's gonna go and even if they start like that within like the first 10 <laughs> minutes we're like okay so we're going this way now yeah okay and then the, the scene just kind of evolves in yeah. many weird ways that none of us are predicting and it's a true collective that way because everybody's yeah. ideas are valid and they come from out of left field and what starts to happen is the more that's encouraged the better the ideas get because people have no hesitancy now to go, it's like something comes up and it just comes out. And mm-hmm. it's amazing how many things, and, and places where we actually have come in with something kind of half figured out. It's basically, all it takes is the slightest shove and the cast takes off on it and and things start to happen and we're the outside eye. We can, we can help, you know, with the tone or angles or, you know, little things, but there is such innate theatricality in these actors that there's very little that goes wrong. There are better choices and what happens is is the choices get better and it's like things get thrown out not because they're not good but because stuff just keeps getting better and uh, I mean I come away from these rehearsals sometimes at the end of very long days and then we're rehearsing at night and by the end of rehearsal it's like the day has started again because there you've just been surrounded by this cauldron of mad creativity starting with Lewis Carroll and then Katie's script and then the, what seems like the perfect combination of people playing. And, and that's all I have to say on the subject. That was a lot. I know. I, I, I just talking. wanted to, <laughs> I just I wanted to say that in, in, in my happiest and wildest dreams, uh, theater is always a collaborative art. It, it, it isn't always. And because so many times the director is at the helm and it's his word or, you know, his way or the highway, as they say. And I really do love working this way. I find, it, first of all, you know, it takes the pressure off one as a director 
to have to always be the only one coming up, up with the ideas and then holding on to them for dear life, whether they work or not, whether your actors are happy about it or whether they want to do it, they feel pressured to do it, to um, toe the line your way. I'm never ever one of those people who likes to work that way. and. And uh, I've often tried to be collaborative when it hasn't been appreciated. <laughs> and so uh, oh, when I think, man. oh, well, I have a good idea, I'm going to speak out, and I've been told no, and I've been told no constantly, and even if I put it in writing, I've been told that they're not going to read what I wrote. Anyway, so being able to work this way and having everybody have an equal say, an equal share, an equal amount of enthusiasm, it does kind of really make the pot bubble. It really does fill it up and make it bubble. And no one person then I think is kind of walking away going, oh, well, this is all my idea, all my planning, and I'm going to take all the credit for it. I was thinking of doing that, of trying to do that, and seeing <laughs> oh. if I could get away with it, and well, saying that I created all of it. So I said but we I think were, now that I've said that, we, we yeah. are married <laughs> now, however long we will be married after we this We have project. no idea. <laughs> no, this, this could finish it this off. Could this could be, be the end. This could yeah. be the yeah. end of that. No, no, no. No, no, no uh, it's good, because, you know, I've actually directed you, you've directed me, we mm -hmm. still talk to each other, and... It's actually really, yeah. really a good collaboration, even between the two of us, even being married, even the fact that we're doing too many shows right now together, and we never, ever get to be apart. <sighs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> let's take a step back a bit. Yes. Uh, let's talk about the original swing you had at this when it was being done with teens. Okay, so I was working for the Canadian Children's Theatres Company, which is based in like Aurora and Richmond Hill, and I actually went through that company when I was a kid. So when I first started acting, the tender age of grade four, this was my company. Aww. So yeah, it was kind of a homecoming. Huh. And I had a group, like some were grade eights up to like grade 11s. Uh, there was probably 12, I think there was about 12 in the cast, and they were wide ranges of skills. Like some of them just loved theater, but you know, needed to be honed in and some were just like super passionate and super insane. But all of them across the board were like absolutely gung-ho. So when I first went in, I had only got word from my boss not that long before the rehearsals actually started that I was going to be doing Alice. So I didn't have the script in place, but I had read it and I had general ideas. So we had some exploratory workshops with the kids and some of the stuff definitely came out of it or they had specific ideas. Uh, and then I would sit there and take notes based on what they did or based on what they inspired me that I was like, oh, this would be funny. Uh, so two of the characters are Alice's feet. There's a left foot and a right foot, and they have an ongoing dialogue back and forth. And this is just because in the book there's one little tangent where Alice thinks to herself, oh, I've grown so big that I'll have to send word to my feet via telegram. So we set it up as a telegram, and then we just kind of let the kids play, and they were coming up with funny stuff of what like feet would say to each other. And then I added in a bunch of humorous insults that toes might say to one another and so it's his own little scene that kind of came out of that and we spent a lot of time with them working on the caterpillar as well and like making it a group effort the the tea party was was quite funny as well they just added like little little quirks to it and, and watching them play gave lots of lots of fun ideas which i attempted to then put into the script but the the very funny thing is that you would think 
being one of the actors and the, the writer, that I would be like, this is the way the show is going to end up being, but I have no idea whatsoever. And so they'll, mm -hmm. Lynn and Sean will frequently be like, Katie, what do you think? And I'm like, mm, you're the directors. <laughs> the... And then other times you can't keep me out. I'm like, okay, so this is how we did once. We could try that again. So um, what did you actually start with material-wise when you were writing the first version? The book. You started with just the book, and yeah. and the kids were just improvising. The kids, the youth collective that was the original mm. sort of uh, the well, or, the original company that worked on this with you. What like was it just playing, taking a bit of the the literary scene and putting it on its feet, or how did it develop? No, it was kind of because generally when you're working with them, you do like exercises and improv for the first three, four weeks anyways, and like you kind of ease into it and you'll talk about the characters and stuff like that, but you do like, you know, things to ease them up and games to make them improvise with each other and stuff like that. So at that point I didn't have to have my solid script, but I had ideas of like things, so I'd already started drafting ideas of what I thought would work in certain scenes. Usually when I write I don't have it like, it's not linear, I kind of like pull a chunk and like, oh, this is fun, let's work on this, and then, oh, this is fun, let's work on that. So it'd be the same sort of thing where I'd come in and tell the kids, they're like, okay, so today we're going to work on the ballad of Bill. So Bill is the lizard with a ladder. He shows up very briefly in the Disney movie. You may recall he has to go in and try and save the rabbit's house when Alice grows, and they think he's a, mon he's a monster, and he gets flown out the chimney. And so it's a very short thing. A lot of these, actually, this is probably a theme for my play. A lot of little characters in the book that kind of get glanced over suddenly have larger roles and people that you expect to be large roles, like the Tweedles are actually in and out mm -hmm. pretty quick versus Fish Frog or the birds. So I would just say, okay, so Bill, you have to tell the story of him going into the house with this big Alice monster. You can do it as a rap, you can do it like a poetry jam, you could do it as interpretive dance, just get in pairs, We'll work on it for like 15, 20 minutes. And then based on that, like they would have little things and each of the little groups would come up with different things. And then based on that, I would sit there and be like, hee, 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 funny idea. <laughs> so, so you so, essentially had a sweatshop of teenagers writing no, your script. No, that no. segue to some write. Of it, some of it was brilliant. And some of it was very inspired nuggets that needed to be coaxed into, into something else. But at the root of it, it was a play that originally came from majority of the scenes, I guess, was from working with teens and kind of directing them where, like, so the birds, the caucus race from Alice, they just kind of run around in circles trying to get dry, and there's big waves that keep coming and splashing them, and they just keep running. But they have such joy in it, so we would, we would run around in rehearsal a lot, flapping and playing different bird voices and noises, and it's really entertaining to watch high schoolers who would normally be like, too cool for anything that you could throw at them. They were so super jazzed about wow. it. Like they would just be like, okay, let's go. And like time went very quickly. So then every day we would work on maybe three or four different ideas of scenes that I was kind of like, okay, I, I want to work on that. And then I would go home and furiously for the rest of the week write stuff. And then um, Lindsay Eitzen, who was playing Alice, she was my roommate. She also worked for the theater company with me. So I would finish a scene and I'm like, okay, read this. What do you think? And she'd be like, okay, that's funny. I was like, oh, yes, okay, next thing. And it's very encouraging to have cheerleaders who you can constantly okay. send stuff to. Well, this is why our, we're, we've also written a Christmas show and I could keep sending Lynn and Sean stuff. I'm like, okay, so this draft, what do you think? And if they weren't there saying yes, I'd probably be like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> well, it's great because it's a mutual admiration society. So we keep feeding each other and oh, yeah. keeping each other going. When, Very nice ego stroke. When you hit on. when you hit sort of low <laughs> points, to have people who go, "You're awesome. You're having a you know you're taking a break. You're going to be awesome tomorrow. Go on because mm -hmm. it's just gonna it's gonna happen." And it, yeah, it's awesome. I will stop now. Continue talking about. It. <laughs> so okay, so yeah, then so. so you had that. What what shape was your script at from there? How much has it developed through was, this process? Well, actually, um, when I finished that, a lot of parents came up to me and they were like, that was actually a really great script. And I was like, oh, thank you. You know, uh, <laughs> running around trying to congratulate the kids. And they're like, no, no, like that was actually a really funny script, which parents who put their kids in theater programs do not expect brilliance. They just expect their kid to walk on stage and say hi and a few lines. So that was reinforcing like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then I knew that there was problem areas, the croquet scene, I still am like, oh, it needs a little work. But for the most part, the script is the same. And then we've just kind of added to it and refined some of the lines as we went. Lynn and Sean have added, Lynn wrote the ballad of Bill and Sean put some beats to it. We've added a flower scene that Still needs a lot of work for the actors. Um, <laughs> I just oh. wanted the flowers um, to be in. Yeah, and, and the, the presentation has ad adapted some stuff, like and by costume choices. For instance, the Tweedles, the lines are the same as what we originally wrote, but the, the walrus and the carpenter has shortened significantly. But the, the style of it, because we ended up getting these striped jackets for the Tweedles and bowler hats, but now they're kind of vaudevillian. So then, of course, we had to add a dance number to go with it because you can't mm -hmm. put on a vaudeville hat and jacket and not dance. So things like that have definitely changed. And then also when I was doing the children's theater, we didn't have to worry about copyright from Disney. So we could actually do the unbirthday party full song, whereas now we've had to write in some little additional exclusions and whatnot to try and deal with the fact that we're not actually singing the song that we are, you know, should yeah. be in that moment. But otherwise, the script itself has not changed a great deal. Except yeah. you have far fewer actors playing yeah, all that, the roles. Yeah, that was the big thing. Is when we, we started, we are like, okay, so I used to have 12. Now we have six. Um, and Alice can't change into anything else. So we were going to attempt to rewrite. But then I was like, okay, I'll send it to Lynn and Sean as is. And then Lindsay, Mark, Darcy, Andre, and I were like, okay, so yeah, we're, we're going to work on it. We'll change it a bit before we get the actors. And then Lynn and Sean are like, what? Well, what? What are we changing? Why? Why? So it ended up not changing, which has proved both fascinating and slightly problematic, depending on the scene. Well, it mm -hmm. also makes it virtuosic that one minute of my Carolyn um, is playing Bill in a lizard costume, or, or the next minute she's the caterpillar, and we That's do true. this amazingly quick costume change and bang she's on as something else and that's oh, yeah. what everybody's doing and, and chris will play the white rabbit and then walk around to the other side of someone and play the studly executioner and then hop back and forth between them so everyone's kind of getting a, <laughs> a more workout. of a workout yeah, yeah because the script did not change both, both aerobic and creatively creatively yeah, yeah. or creatively um, yeah, yeah that way yeah. too so how soon in the rehearsal process were you introducing these, they sound like very fundamentally important sort of costume and, and set or, or prop oh, elements. Well, yes. um, <laughs> some parts came quite early because my boss at the Children's Theater Company, I told her we were doing it and I said, could we possibly borrow some Alice costumes again? And she said, yes, come and raid the, the costumes. So we went and they have so much stuff, but most of it's also made for 
significantly shorter people. But Lynn was like, oh, ooh, ah, let's take this and this and this. <laughs> so some things like the Tweedles, we weren't originally thinking about the jackets, but the jackets kind of stuck out. And we're like, huh, this could be fun. And so certain pieces like that started right away that we knew, and then other ones have evolved. And some are still evolving. Like We haven't mm. quite finalized all of them. But specific pieces, like the Executioner has a Darth Vader helmet that became very clearly, once you guys brought that in. That well, I found it at the Church Bazaar. Yeah. I, I, I raided the, the Church Queen. Bazaar, the Lisa church. church Bazaar. And I went in there and I told the sweet ladies that were, you know, in the toy department of the Church Bazaar that they were doing Alice in Wonderland. And they just said, pull over that big crate. See that big crate? Just throw in anything you want and take <laughs> anything you want. So I was like, oh, my God. I found all these little plastic dishes. And then it was like there was the Darth Vader helmet. Yeah. I went, well, I don't know, but I'll throw it in anyway. So Chris I came in with this He's huge like, trunk. Yes. And like... Yeah. It suits it suits the voice that he does perfectly, and it's just such a funny, just a, like a funny, ridiculous thing. Well, there's nothing quite like seeing the white rabbit suddenly put on a Darth Vader helmet <laughs> with his ears sticking out the side still, and has taken on the, the role of the executioner. But what you do see is that you see that it's it's still the same actor, but with like a minimal costume change. Yeah. Then a complete voice and physical change becomes a new character because mm-hmm. of the fact that we're jumping between characters so much that a lot of the costumes have to be partial or suggested but it's like well what is what is the perfect thing to suggest this character so that we don't have to do a complete costume change and the Darth Vader helmet is a perfect example of that because okay the executioner he's dark what do you want yeah Darth Vader it's perfect um give him an axe that's also probably where most of the the presentation has changed from the teen group to this is that because of the the necessity of the quick changes and because we're not trying to hide them, it's much more fun, I think, for the audience because it's not like we're trying to... We're not trying to hide it from them that we just have less actors. Like, we're fully putting it on display. And uh, so one of our producers, Andre, he is not an actor. He has been around us for years and years. His wife is an actor, but he's never sat in on, like, full rehearsals before. And so he kind of, like, got on board and said, okay, I'll, I'll take care of, like, the budget and, like, the money tracking. We're like, done. But he's come to every rehearsal, and, like, it's really funny to watch his reactions and how involved he's gotten and, like, what mm-hmm. he really finds is, like, a, a cool trick or cool twerk. Twerk? Not twerk. No, Miley Cyrus. Um, <laughs> so there's twerking in this production. <laughs> there is not. <laughs> No twerking zone so I'm far. I'm sure we can work it into the Tweedles. Uh, it's probably going to happen. Um, <laughs> We're keeping it topical. But that, I think that's really a fascinating thing because, like, my grandma sees theater all the time, loves it, very cultured lady. But I think that non actors, we get really, or they get really excited to kind of to see where where the actor has to do the work. So the whole idea of like allowing the audience to see and to enjoy the quirks like that's part of the show is that the audience will definitely get to see kind of like mm-hmm. behind the scenes while the show is, is still happening so that's you know, very there's nothing, fun. nothing quite like watching an actor in full view of the audience suddenly just become another character there's no question it's the same actor no and, and there's no trying to pretend it's just like this is the virtuosity of this actor this actor can do this and then do this and, and what's better to watch? The, yeah, and sometimes kind of we talent. try and creatively show ways, and sometimes it's just like, I'm stepping to the side and talking <laughs> to my hat, and you will know that I am still there. I'm back. Look, I'm talking to you. Uh, and sometimes that's all you can you can really do. Um, but I think that that will be a, a very fun element for, for people yeah. coming to see the show. 
I think we should call that quirking. Quirking. <laughs> we, we have invented a new theatrical form. Oh, it's okay. called quirking. Or a new so dance tell, move. Tell Darcy. She can hashtag that tonight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is all being presented at Dance Makers? Dance Makers. It's a neat space, and being in the distillery district is really cool because then it's like people who are coming from out of town, it's a, it's a legitimate like location, destination mm-hmm. that you would want to go, and it's very cool like that. And part of going back to trying to get new audiences is a big idea for us. Not like young audiences necessarily, just new audiences. by Because the theater it is like a, a studio theater, and the audience is going to be very close. So it's not, you don't have the same presentation of like, you're there, we're here. So they get to be right in into the story. So that was a, a good selling feature. And then the second part was logistically, as soon as I started deciding, okay, we want to do this. And because new audiences is important to me, um, we're like, okay, we're going to try and pitch it to schools. So you also have to pick a, a venue that A, can accommodate a large enough number that if a class or two wanted to come, you can seat them all. But you're also not going to pick a spot that's in like a back alleyway that's hard to get to. So logistically like that, Dance Makers was just really good. And they had like a, a deal where you got it for the full week. So you can go in and do your tech and not worry about paying by the hour, which some other places would be like, okay, so for four hours you pay X number of hundreds of dollars, which we're like, huh, that's, <laughs> no, we that's won't not our budget. That, no. <laughs> yeah. And they, they happened to have the week available that was a, a good week for us. And so, all things considered, yeah. We are the Valentine's gift we are. of the year. We're making Valentine's for our guests who come on the Friday. It's yeah. pretty exciting. <laughs> Would you say it's uh, like family-friendly, kid-friendly, obviously, if you're... I think it actually it does run the gauntlet of ages. I think that it will play to, I would say, kids five and up. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is the same characters, and they will... The physicality is really fun and silly, and it is the classic story of Alice in Wonderland, and it, it's not, you know, an alternative dark version that's trying to, like, make yeah, the yeah, queen yeah. have this deep metaphorical story. Like, we're not trying to do that. We're purely yeah. no purpose. It's like, it's just about having fun and being silly. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I wrote the show, and I know what all the jokes are, and I still laugh through every rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then, like, because there's so many puns, I think that it will be something that people who are older it's I like calling it Shrek like people who are older will get jokes that the five-year-olds won't but I think that anyone in between will still enjoy it and it moves so quickly like probably the slowest scene is the caterpillar and that's because the caterpillar talks really slowly but it's still so interesting that I don't think that people are going to mind so like little kids are not going to sit there twiddling their thumbs and then start getting bored and running around like it's it moves so well, what I, it reminds I don't think me it's... of is is going back even further than Shrek but I grew up with Looney Tunes cartoons yeah. but you know the Bugs Bunny uh, those kind of those kind of cartoons and I grew up with them as a little kid but they got funnier as I got older because the people who created them in their 30s and 40s were making seven-minute cartoons that would make them laugh. And they knew they were, there was, you know, there was a, a children's audience that was who you were kind of aiming at, but it was like these grown-up men were going, what makes me laugh? And that's what they put out there. And it was hysterical for little kids and it was hysterical for adults, too. And that's what I think you've done. Yeah. It doesn't have to have some deep, dark, meaningful purpose that explains the, the universe, but those are all things that we automatically grow up with and we all tap into as children which means that it's like your most basic instincts is what you know as a kid right like you don't have the sophistication of like this is cool this is this is cultured like you just respond to what you really enjoy 
So I don't see why people have to grow out of that and why you have to <laughs> pretend to be something bigger or, you know, more precious and intelligent. Like, it, theater started and it was the original sitcom. So I don't understand why, why in Canadian theater it has become, like, almost, unless you're doing musical theater or unless you're at Second City, people do not expect us to be funny and to just be silly. It has to have some purpose. So even this Alice script, a few years ago, I was talking about it to someone who wrote scripts. He's like, oh yeah, I'll take a look. And I was like, okay. And I sent it to him and his comments were all like, well, I don't really, kind of, he kind of ended up being like he didn't see the point of doing it because it was just Alice. Like why, like where was, where was the underlying message or what was Alice's journey or like he was trying to dig deeper into it and I was like, you didn't get it. Like it's just, yeah. It's just about being fun and like it's entertaining to watch people do ridiculous things. That's why YouTube is so sensational, is because people don't want to have a moral every time they sit down or they go out. They just want to have fun. So we're having fun. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, a tale with no porpoise. It's February 12th to 16th at Dance Makers Theatre. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank Our you. pleasure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.